Working? Awesome. Uh, good morning. Thanks, Lisa. Um, first, I want to start. Hi, Mum. Hi, Dad. Okay, secondly, um, I have to apologize to uh, members of 15 plus. Uh, this will be quite a similar talk to what I did last week. Um, but if you don't fancy listening to it again, I'm sure your parents would love a cup of tea. And I'm sure they'd love it if you'd do the dishwasher. So those are a few things you can do while I'm nattering away. Um, and thirdly, before I really get into anything, um, I just want to say how much of an honour it is to be here um, and how much of a privilege it is to stand up on this stage in the various weeks. And sometimes when I'm holding a guitar, I don't get the opportunity to say that. Um, and I just want to thank this church for everything um, that everyone in this church just accepted me personally as family. Um, so thank you. Um, right, today we are thinking about hope for today and what that means for us. And we're going to start with a few definitions. Um, I'm going to have to admit I've stolen these definitions from the lovely Bridget because they're brilliant. So we're going to start with what is hope. Um, and here's what is hope. Hope is having faith that there is something better. Waiting expectantly and with anticipation of the good things that are coming. So that's hope. But what do we as Christians hope for? Well, here's what this says. Biblical hope is not the same as hoping for something for Christmas. It's not the same as a wish. It's not the same as, oh, something might happen. It's being sure of what God has promised us and that that will be given to us. And what he's promised us is freedom and joy. So we have these two things. We have hope, sort of waiting expectantly, and we have Christian hope, being assured that that expectation will come to pass. So we're going to start in Romans 5, 1 to 5, if you want to turn on your Bibles. Um, and here, Paul has just explained, in chapter 4, how Abraham's faith in God to fulfill the expectation of loads and loads of descendants has counted towards him as right standing before God. And then Paul has gone on from this and linked this to how we are also in right standing before God because of our faith. Now, I want you to notice here that faith and hope are very interlinked. That to have faith flows into having hope. And that you cannot have hope without having faith of the things to come. So this is Romans 5, 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, that endurance produces character, and that character produces hope. And hope 
does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So I'm going to read that one more time. And I'm just going to highlight something. And I want you to see if you notice it. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Thank you, Vic. Um, Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So do you see what I've highlighted there? I've highlighted kind of sort of the collective nouns in there. And what I want to highlight is so often we can think that this process of sort of right standing before God and justification and even faith and then the resultant hope is something we do as individuals. And we'd be absolutely right in thinking that. But it's also something that we do as a collective. It's also something that we have as a collective. We have this faith that leads into this hope as a collective. We'll come back to that later. So... Paul clarifies in verses 1 to 2 that we are right before God if we have put our trust in him and received this gift of grace and accepted Jesus as Lord of our lives. It's kind of the whole justification, salvation, like right stand before God, sort of cross has saved us narrative. Brilliant. Amazing. That bit's done for us. Great. But he also says that this means that we can rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And I stopped here when I first read it because I got very confused as to what that meant. Um, And this is kind of what I came out with through a bit of digging. We can rejoice because God's glory will come to earth and is in the process of coming to earth. And if that's not a hopeful statement, I do not know what is. That God's glory will come to earth and is currently in the process of coming to earth. But then Paul goes on to say that not only can we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but we can also rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. So what we can see in that is that there is this continual growth in hope. Not only do we have this assured hope of glory of God coming to earth, we have this continual growth in hope. And we see that as we suffer, we grow in our endurance. And as we endure, we grow in our character. And our character produces hope. 
But it doesn't end there. I think as we all know, um, and some maybe more than others, that there will be times of suffering in our lives until Christ returns. There will be times of suffering until all things are renewed. And therefore, it's kind of a bit of a cycle. It's kind of a bit of a loop of, well, we have this hope, but then when we suffer or come to suffer or come into this painful time again, we have to endure and we grow and we have to build character and we grow and that character produces hope. Now, I've written a note here just to be really clear. Endurance and character do not mean suffering by yourself. Endurance and character do not mean suffering by yourself. They mean getting through that suffering. But I think many of us will be aware that the best way to do that is with people in community. So don't take that the wrong way. We can also kind of find a parallel in this sort of cycle um, with what Adam was talking about last Sunday. Sort of thinking about as the disciples returned and kept going back for bread and they became more confident that God would provide them, that Jesus would give them the bread. And then they were more confident in giving that bread out. So as we suffer, as we have to return to God, we grow in hope and we become more assured in our hope and we can give that hope out more freely. We'll come back to that, but let me ask you a very quick question here. And actually, this goes really well with what Vic was saying at the start of worship. In terms of if you have, if you are in a position of suffering, if you are in a position of a painful period of your life, do you see the progression here? Are you systematic enough? To go, well, I'm suffering, but I know that suffering will produce my endurance, and I know that endurance will produce my character, and I know that character will bring me hope. You may be that systematic. You may be that logical. I don't personally find that in my admittedly limited experience of this stuff. I find that actually it's quite a hard thing when you're suffering to see this, but I would encourage you to try to get a grasp of what's going on. Don't force it, but just get a grasp of, I know this is hard, but this will grow me, and I will come out of this a more assured person. But there's another question here, of do you see that growth in hindsight, which is kind of more what Vic was saying. Can you look back and go, I see where I've grown. I see from that really hard time that God has grown me and grown my assurance in him. Now, again, for you, that might be a no. You might look back in time of suffering and just go, that was horrible and I moved on. But for me, that is a yes. I look back on the times that are hard. I look back on the times in the last year that have been hard and go, I have grown because of those. So we see that hope does not only come from our assurance of God's glory coming to earth, 
but also from this process of seeing God deliver in our lives time and time and time again. But then coming back to the start, coming back to the sort of we aspect of this, what does this look like as a collective? To know that God's glory is coming to earth and to know more and more and more as we go on that God will deliver. Well, let's just quickly go back to verse 5. And it says this, And that hope does not put us to shame. Other translations say that hope does not disappoint. We have reason to hope and we can be sure that our hope will be fulfilled. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, that may sound like a completely other language to you. And that is very fair. But to understand what that kind of means, the idea of the Holy Spirit being given to us, and it's really big because this is like, this is a person in the Godhead. This is like a person in the Trinity being given to us. This is God. So to understand what that means, we have to take a big picture look at the Bible. And if you look in the Old Testament, God dwelled in this place called the tabernacle and then the temple, which were places that were designed to be so pure that heaven and earth could overlap and God could take his residence in those places. Now, let me be really clear here. That doesn't mean that God wasn't everywhere. That doesn't compromise the omnipresence of God, the thing that God is everywhere. But what it does mean is that simply his presence was concentrated in those places, that God was concentrated in those places. But because of the amazing power of Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension to heaven, God now chooses to take his residence in those who surrender their lives to him and admit that Jesus is Lord of their lives and admit that Jesus is king of all things. So that may sound complicated. If you want to take one thing out of it, God lives in us. If we have accepted Jesus as king, God lives in us. Okay? So, because God lives in us, we can not only receive this hope through, you know, anticipation and almost the sort of process of going through this sort of endurance process, we can reveal this hope in this day. And this means that we can see situations where there seems to be no hope and bring hope to those places. And the eagle-eyed viewers, listeners among you, uh, may have recognised that I'm sort of getting towards the kingdom of God and what that means for us. Um, And what you'll read in the Gospels, and if you read the Gospels, a phrase you'll notice pretty quickly, is 
Jesus and John the Baptist are saying this thing. The kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? Well, what it means is that God is in the process of creating this new kingdom here on earth where Jesus is the king and where the brokenness of this life is restored. And there's a key here. That, and this is true for today. Okay? A group of people who accept Jesus as king and act accordingly reveals the kingdom of God here today. There's this, if that sounds crazy and just uncomprehensible for you, there's this metaphor in the Bible, which kind of says when we accept Jesus as king, we become like a brick of this new temple. We become like a building block of this new place where something of God can be seen as a collective. So in terms of hope, we can reveal the hope for today. It's this question, as Adam asked last week, of what do we have in our hands to give to the world around us? And I believe, and I'm sure many of you believe, that that thing that we have in our hands is hope. Uh, I was on a call with my dad, sort of uh, sort of scheming about this talk almost, and one of the things that he said was that hope is a commodity, that hope is something valuable, and that we have that hope to give the world. Notice the collective aspect in this, that we have hope, that we reveal that hope and that we become this kind of new temple place. And I'm, I just want to share that I'm, I'm a young guy, or, and I feel like this relates, what I'm about to say relates more to men, um, is that they, men particularly have a tendency to try to go it alone. Everyone does. But I feel like there's this sort of pride, like, stick it through man thing that we try to do to go it alone and we'll be great and we will, like, smash mountains because we are men and we can go it alone. In my experience, that has led to brokenness and nothing else. It has led to quick success and long-term failure. So there's so much truth in this statement of if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So, Sim, that's great. We can reveal hope. That is great. That also sounds really odd. What, what do you mean by that? What does it look like to reveal hope? Well, the answer might even disappoint you. Because it's very straightforward. It's to imitate Christ. To imitate Christ. And there's this story in the Bible that we can see that is a bit of a sort of example of this. Uh, There's this woman at a well. um, And she has had five husbands. 
and the man who she is currently with is not her husband. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know if you've ever been in a breakup or a divorce, but how painful is that process? Just one. What about five? And that carries a stigma. In today's society, that carries a stigma. You've been divorced five times. Someone hears that and goes, hmm, that could carry a stigma. But in that society, that's awful. (laughs) That's like, because women in that society get most of their sort of purpose through their marriage, which, take that for what you will, but that's a completely hopeless situation. There's so much brokenness there, so much pain there. But Jesus brings hope to that situation. Jesus goes, I am the living water. You can have living water. Um, And Jonathan was reminding me before the service, actually, that he says that you can worship you worship what you do not know, but now you can worship what you know. And I'm apologising if I've misquoted that at all. But essentially, we now know and we can go and share that. Um, so we can see that Jesus has brought hope to that situation. And this kind of like example means that we need to be prepared to be, carry, be carriers of God wherever we go. And as Christians, we actually can sometimes bring this hope, and I'm sure that many of you have had experience of this, bring this hope without even realising it. We can bring this hope and go to, just to any place, sort of in your workplace, in your, in your schooling if you're a bit younger. Kind of, you go into those places and you go, right, I'm here, I'm doing my thing. I'm not particularly proclaiming the gospel or whatever. I'm not evangelizing and converting a million people a day. But people are noticing stuff. Oh, my mate asked me, oh, what's different about you? Oh, my work colleague went, why do you have peace when everything is so crazy? Why do you have hope when everything seems lost? Because of God in us. Now, we're coming towards the end, and just as we come to this point, I want to put a really big disclaimer in. Particularly this revealing hope stuff, because of God in us, sounds like a lot. Please do not be discouraged. To reveal hope by imitating Christ is, in my opinion, the greatest, easier said than done in history. This stuff's really hard, and I can teach about this for about 25 minutes, and I can plan it for about a few hours, and I can reflect on it for a few more hours in the week. And that, that's, me, that's me sort of teaching on hope, great. But it will, and I'm sure of this, and I'm sure of this for you as well, take me a lifetime to learn how to live in that way. How to reveal hope by imitating Christ. To become anything like Christ, it'll take a lifetime to learn that. 
And so we kind of come into land with this beautiful truth. That as we grow in our hope, we are more and more enabled to reveal that hope to the world. As we are more assured of the faithfulness of God to deliver us, we increase in hope. As we increase in hope, we impact the world around us via an overflow of that hope. And as we impact this world around us, by the power of God in us, we reveal something of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Um, Father, I thank you that you give us hope. I thank you that you grow us in the most beautiful, slow, lifelong ways imaginable. I just want to pray over those who are suffering this morning. I pray that you would show them something of your big picture plan for them in this time. And I pray for those who feel like they're really ready to reveal hope, that you would encourage them in that and that you would give them so much grace in that and so much of your spirit in that. And I pray that in your name, Father. Amen.